Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tennis, swimming, lacrosse, whatever you need me to play, I'm going to go do it. If there's some money on the line, I'm going to go do it. You like it? You think Cleveland's cool. I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell going to uh, freeze. Wait, on. not a game. Not a, not a, not the game that I go out there and, and die for. We want to welcome special guests coming on again to talk everything Cleveland Cavaliers. Our boy, keeping it for keeping it close. Wait, let me get this right. Keep it in ninety four. That's the podcast. And basketballnews.com, he's the editor, none other than our main man, Spencer Davies. Man, how you doing? Zach, Ben, what's going on, guys? How's the summer been? It's all right, right? When you say it's been, been, been kind of quiet, you know, nothing too splashy. Yeah, in the, it's kind of NBA been, you world. know, the down, downturn of NBA news past couple weeks, so it's been kind of nice to stay out of that for a little bit. Yeah, nothing messy, no drama, at least not yet. <laughs> no question, man. I mean, I've been picking up the golf clubs. I'm doing bachelor Ooh. parties, weddings, all that good stuff. So uh, it's been kind of nice that it's been quiet, even though it seems like it's not quiet because people continue to perpetuate rumor after rumor. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you got the KD stuff, you got, you know, Colin Sexton, which we're going to talk about, and, you know, just a plethora of, like, even LeBron James, and, you know, what he's going to do, Bronny. Just, just the a- weird NBA, <laughs> like, storylines going on when there's no, no other news to talk about. Yeah. The only way to keep the cycle going, unfortunately, but luckily, we're only about a month away from, mm-hmm. you know, media day, preseason will be here before we know it, so hopefully, hopefully, we get some resolution to all of this and uh, can just focus on what's going on between the four lines. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so speaking of 94 feet, let's just dive right into this past season where I feel like the Cleveland Cavaliers, we were pretty high on them, right, Ben? Wouldn't you yeah, say? we loved them. Like, yeah. we, they were pretty, they were pretty fun high team. on them. We thought they were going to make the playoffs. You know, they were right there, a top, like, three seed. And then, like, after the All-Star break, things kind of turned the corner for them and they ended up in the play-in like what what happened what happened man i mean it seems like it was just kind of injuries and fatigue yeah you, you, you know we go a little bit further back you look at what happened with colin sexton going down about 11 games into the season and then that kind of gets followed up by ricky rubio tearing his acl in mm. new orleans uh you know they tried to keep it together kind of with glue a little bit uh go out and get rajon rondo and, you know, he ended up getting hurt. They try a trading for Karis Levert with Ricky Rubio's contract. Um, and he looks great the first four games that he's with the team. And then he screws up his foot. Um, you know, you look in past that again. And now you're looking at Darius Garland taking on a lot. And I mean a lot of the responsibility as pretty much the only guy who's handling the basketball. Brandon Goodwin tried to back him up and do his best. And, and he was putting forth a valiant effort, but Darius Garland, his like usage rate was like above 37% or something stupid like that. Um, so a lot of the the responsibility and the onus fell on to Darius Garland. 
And, uh, you know, you look at it, that was part of it. And then, I mean, I think the final nail in the coffin post-All-Star break had to be Jared Allen going down with that broken finger. Um, He tried to give it a go when they were still in the play-in tournament. Didn't look like the same guy against Brooklyn or Atlanta, even though he gave it 100% of what he could. Um, But ultimately, it came down to the injuries, and the defense kind of buckled down a little bit. They started missing shots. Um, Defense wasn't quite to par to what they were doing in that ridiculous stretch from, like, November to January or whatever it was. And it just kind of all fell apart. But the good news is, you know, they finished the season 44-38, and a little bit ahead of schedule, um, and they're getting guys back healthy here um, going into next season. And they're expecting a lot. They think they're going to have a target on their back. Um, teams are going to know they're coming, and uh, they're hopefully prepared for it. That's the thing. It seemed like they were on the right track, even though the first half of the season mm-hmm. was a lot better than the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. It seemed like they're they're on the right track. They're on the right path. They're winning games. They they look like they're improving. So they didn't really make a ton of noise in the off season because of that, which I, I think was probably the right move. But everyone's wondering, what's the future with Colin Sexton? What, what, what's going to be the marriage with Colin Sexton and the Cavs? What's <laughs> What should What's we expect that? from that? Yeah, <laughs> Everybody's trying to figure it out. I think that there is a mutual want to get back together. Um, it's settling on the number. That's the typical part. And this is what happens with restricted free agency. And we even saw it with DeAndre Ayton. It took him a month and a half to get a deal uh, with the Suns after the Pacers put that offer sheet forward and the Suns were you know, forced to match that. With Colin, what's difficult for him is – He's got the injury working against him. He's got restricted free agency working against him. There's two teams with cap space, and neither of them are trying to win now. It's the Spurs and the Pacers. Um, the only viable way that Colin Sexton wouldn't be on the Cavs would be via sign and trade. And I'm sure that there's teams that are interested in him, but I know that the Cavs are going to be really, really you know, hard-pressed to, to match whatever teams want because they really value Colin Sexton. And he's got a qualifying offer that's on the table, $7.2 million. Um, and if he were to sign a one-year uh, qualifying offer, he'd be an unrestricted free agent and try to do it, again, do it all again again um, in 2023. So that's the, the difficult part. Um, as far as an extension or uh, you know a new deal goes, uh, Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com reported three years, $40 million uh, deal is on the table right now. Seems like Rich Paul and – uh, Collins' representation at Clutch isn't going for that. So um, we're going to find out <laughs> here sooner or later because uh, season's coming up, you know, fast. So um, we'll see what happens. Ultimately, I think Collins back with the Cavs on the qualifying offer. Um, but things can change. So we'll see. I certainly hope so because, there, you know, you get that noise with Darius Garland playing so well. You get that yeah. question, well, do they really need to bring Colin Sexton back? And so I'm just glad to hear you say that, yeah, it would be a good idea for him to bring bring him back on board for the roster. So uh, kudos to the Cleveland Cavaliers for doing that, and, you know, hopefully they get a, they make, they get a number. Yeah, and, and some people I spoke with, you know, they really believe that they're operating as if Colin's going to be on the roster. So that's also oh, something that's nice. that you yeah. want to take a little, you know, note on that. But uh, with Colin, I mean, what they were missing last season at the end of the day when Darius Garland was too, you know, either pressured or doubled or whatnot was, you know, a release valve. And what does Colin do? He's the guy that gets you the 911 bucket. He'll be the first one to get inside <laughs> of that paint one, with reckless <laughs> abandon, you know, and every team yeah. needs something like that. And the other thing, too, that I think is a common misconception is that, you know, Colin's someone that was playing really well off the ball to start the season. 
um, and he's a willing shooter. Uh, catch shoot, whether that's pull up shooting. Um, defensively, yeah, he's not the biggest guy, but he's gonna give you that bull mentality. Try to get those steals, really be in your grill. Um, so I mean, he fits just. I, I still think he fits perfectly with this team, especially knowing the way that they operate with Lowry Markkinen, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. You think they do that again? You think they? You think he'll bigger staff will come back out with the three guys, three seven footers? No question. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think the same lineups come out. <laughs> If they want to go small, then I'm interested to see what they do. Do they play Karius LeVert at the three? Um, do they play Ochai Baji at the three? You know, Kevin Love is still a part of this team, and a lot of people are forgetting to talk about him this year because he played so damn well last year. Um, and if we're looking at, you know, a year ago today, we're talking about Kevin Love not being a part of this team. We're talking about him, you know, not being in the good graces of Team USA with Brian Colangelo. Um, and that whole ordeal, and, you know, he obviously was a huge factor um, in the Cavs bench last year. People that I've talked to think that, you know, his production tailed off just like Jetty Osmond production tailed off as soon as Ricky Rubio went down because Rubio is so good at finding those guys um, in the pockets and obviously on, on the perimeter, uh, just someone that can orchestrate a team. And, you know, we know that Ricky Rubio is back with this Cavs team. They also brought in Howell Neto. Uh, Robin Lopez, uh, another uh, veteran type. So they didn't go too crazy in trying to to change this core or change the direction. They're just organically letting this thing go. You mentioned Kevin Love. Now he was practically a candidate for six man six man of the year. You know he almost won that award. I feel like, but like you said, a year a year prior he was basically walking off the court. He <laughs> was. Like, what was his transition for like in between that season and this past season? You know, I think it helped having Ricky Rubio around a little bit. I think also some clarity um, in in role for him was big. Um, I know that, you know, Kobe Altman had conversations with him and so did J.B. Bickerstaff about sacrifice. And uh, part of that was not being a starter, um, being used in smaller, you know, a smaller minute load, I guess, uh, to put it, you know that 20 to 25 minute role instead of the, the ones that he's accustomed to. We know his history with injuries. So they wanted to be delicate with that, but also finding that balance of having him produce for this team. And he was making shot after shot. He was rebounding. Well, um, even defensively, he was contributing a lot because of the protection he had behind him, whether it was Jared Allen or Evan Mobley. Um, and, and he really sacrificed and was somebody who was an essential part of what the Cavs did last year. And I think, Having that realization last year and, um, you know, bringing it into this year, knowing that the young guys are just developing along this curve and some faster than others um, is is good for him mentally to know that he's not just playing for a team that's going to be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. It's a team that's trying to gun for, you know, a deep playoff run. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. And because of that, because they have a lot of young budding stars, too, who has the most to prove out of this team? There, there's so many, I feel like, choices to pick from because yeah. they have so many young guys. But you love a coming, 
I, yeah, yeah, I do. And they're, they're becoming more and more like household names around NBA fans. It's there's a there's a lot of them that I think feel like they need to prove something. But who who do you think has the most to prove out of these young group? Yeah, I think that's Isaac Okoro. I think you hit the nail on the head there, man. I mean, you think you about go. the guards that they have on this team now. Um, you can go down the list. It's going to be Darius Garland, Ricky Rubio, Howell Neto. Okay, you bring Colin Sexton back. He's in he's in the guard room. Um, you have Okoro, uh, Ricky uh, Ochai Baji, um, Karis Levert is in that mix. It's going to be a deep room, and some of those guards are going to have to play the three when they do the small ball thing because you still have Lowry Markkinen. You still mm-hmm. have Lamar Stevens, who you brought back. You have Dean Wade, who you brought back. These are guys that are obviously in the three-slash-four conversation, but I digress. Um, yeah, I think Okoro, the way that he played in March, that's the way he's going to need to play for this team. He needs to understand that he's got to be aggressive offensively, um, whether that's shooting the corner three, which he did a good job of, by the way, last year. He was hovering somewhere around 35%, I think, on the season. Um, but mm-hmm. he is just one of those guys who I think he's the most explosive guy on the team, to tell you the truth. Um, if you watch him in the half court, if he just gets a little bit of respect from that perimeter, he's going to be able to pump fake guys that force them to close out, and he will just absolutely blitz the rim. Um, I, I think that he is one of the, the most impactful dunkers on the team. Um, he's great in transition. Defensively, we also know what he, what he provides. Um, it's pretty much you know the, the most valuable thing he pr- provides. But he needs to be able to get both sides of it working. And uh, I think this is a, you know, pretty much a make or break season for him because he's going to be going into a season or an off season, I should say, um, where extension talks could begin. So there we go. What, what for him? So we know what for him, but for the team as a whole, as we said, they're on the right track. It seems like what, what are realistic expectations for the Cavaliers this year? We, we kind of know what the floor seemingly is, but, but what's the ceiling? What, what's like a realistic expectation for not, for not just Cavs fans, but for NBA fans watching the Cavs this year? Well, as we know, the East has gotten better. Um, so it's, it's kind of tough. Yep. I mean, to repeat what you did last year, uh, um, you know, in a conference that has gotten better, you look at Atlanta going out and getting DeJounte Murray. You look at, you know, the Celtics going out and patching up with some, some great pieces like Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari. You know, like that, that's just a few, um, but there there were quite a few moves um, even under the radar this season that have made contenders better. I think for the Cavs, they have to have the same internal expectations as, you know, getting deep into the playoffs the way that Darius Garland said it on record um, about a month and a half ago or so um, that he wants to be in that second round type of, of scenario. Um, you know, you know, I, I feel like if, it, if it's, if it's me five to six seed, I think is, is probably the wheelhouse of, of yeah. where they okay. can get. Um, but we, as we saw last year, um, before the injuries and all that stuff, they were top Rolling. three. Yeah. Um, you know, it depends on how the league adjusts to big ball. It depends on if they start ball. getting those threes to fall. Uh, that's a huge part of it. Um, fourth quarter execution is a must. Uh, I feel like in a lot of those situations down the stretch last year, they either ran out of gas or were too ISO dependent. So uh, guys are going to need to execute better um, when you know the chips are on the table like that. 
because, I mean, in most of their wins, they were blowouts. That's the reason they were winning games because they were just blowing teams out. <laughs> Do you remember that road trip where they went down and they, they absolutely blistered Miami and then they beat the Mavs by 30 and I forget the other team, but they were like, it was all good teams and they were all, it was on all the good teams and they all beat them by like 25 plus. Yep. Like it's crazy. Uh, so that they didn't have to deal with those down the stretch situations. And then as we got further into the season, things started bogging down and then that's where you saw them kind of, you know, falter a little bit, a little bit of turnovers, a miscommunication and whatnot. So for me, fourth quarter execution, I think is the biggest thing. Um, offensively, they did bring in Luke Walton, um, as an, an assistant to JB Bickerstaff. That. This past at, summer, right? Yeah. At Bickerstaff's, uh, request, by the way. So, um, you know, he has great respect for Luke Walton. He was at a practice last year at some point. Um, so clearly the, the two are, we're talking a little bit, but, um, Walton being a part of that staff going to help JB a little on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so JB can, you know, focus on managing the players, the defensive end and, and all of that good stuff. So. Um, they've made upgrades. It just hasn't been obvious or because of the or player feeling, if you will. Okay. Exactly. Sometimes those are the best exactly. upgrades, though. Yeah. You, you kind of fortify the base in the middle somewhere up in there where yeah. you don't, you know. Yeah. Sure, sure. And if if I could just to go off of the the last point when I mentioned Isaac Okoro, I think the second guy that has a lot to prove is Karis Levert. Uh, so Karis, like we know how good of a player he is. Yes. And, uh, Mid-season trades, if you look around the league, if it's a big name or if you're expected to fill a role because of an injury or mm-hmm. because of a missing piece, it's difficult. It's really difficult. One, you're, you know, you're moving all of your stuff over. Um, you're not having practice time to get acclimated to your guys. Uh, you have very little time. You're, you're almost doing it on the fly. And Karis... We saw how good he was those first four games, like I said, and then he screwed up his foot. Yeah. Um, and, and then after that, you kind of saw him pressing a little bit. He got back to some old habits. Um, I know he told the front office last year that he couldn't get his legs under him. Uh, so that part right there kind of indicates to me that a full training camp with these guys, creating some chemistry and knowing where you're supposed to be on the floor, that's big. That's big. Yeah. And uh, this is a guy that we know can drop. 25 on any given night he's just that gifted of a scorer he gets into that middle part of the paint and has those little pull-up jumpers um you know getting to the rim could be a little little better but um you know he's a decent shooter uh but he can score the basketball and uh that is something that i think will really help darius garland out um you know you speak of larry markinen if he can continue to shoot threes at the clip and the rate that he was uh last year even a little better um, they're going to be in good shape. I know they're really expecting a lot from Evan Mobley on the offensive end. They're looking yeah, to get him into more. Ball on the floor, kid. <laughs> it, they're, they're, exactly, Zach. They're looking to actually, instead of to get him to play make more, they're, they want to see more of a dog in him. They want to see him pulling up for three. They yeah. want to see him mm-hmm. putting it on the floor and using Unicorn. his shoulders. Almost the way that he did. He was kind of forced to do it, but in April and in the play-in tournament, if you saw, he was – dipping the shoulder down, using his body and doing little kind of push shots, or he was backing guys down and, and doing some fadeaway, you know, 15 footers, but they really want him to kind of get that, that aggressiveness, almost that arrogance in a way um, to put it on the floor and, and go after it, knowing that you can get 25 and 10 in a given night. 
that man, that over seven foot lineup. If, if I love Mobley, it. Though. If Mobley can fun. hit, if, if he can hit threes consistently and Lowry can hit threes consistently, like that is going to be a really dangerous lineup. Because you got a seven foot put help. the ball on the floor too, so like that just makes it even better. Because he can get though, he can get the ball to those other seven footers. So it just may pick your poison in, in that scenario. And and you have Jared Allen too, who offensively I think was really underrated last year. Um, him and Evan Mobley had a great high low chemistry. You know, Darius Garland's obviously throwing the lobs and whatnot, but Evan and Jared, if you look closely at a few possessions last year, more than a few, I should say, uh, is them taking turns kind of on finding them on, you know, baseline cuts or on high handoffs or what have you. Um, and Jared, I mean, I just talked to him. He was in Australia for basketball. Yeah, I, I, read, I read that article. I saw that. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, expecting more of the same. And shoot, defensively, we don't even have to talk. We know how difficult it is to <laughs> score on those guys or even get in the paint on those guys because you're going to be afraid. So he's it's he's so fun to watch. There's just so many interesting, exciting aspects of this With the team. Cavs, yeah. They, they can just – they if all goes right, they can attack you from – 10 different ways like it's going to be impossible to game plan a defense around this team if everything is going right for them loaded wings you got they have a lot of wings how are they going to be able to like get those minutes spread dispersed around with all the wings that they have that's another challenging part of this team yeah yeah and i would actually kind of disagree i wouldn't call them wings i feel like they're guards and they're you know smaller bigs if you could say that they All still right. don't. They still don't have that like small forward that's going to push them over the top. Um, they still have some guys playing out of position, but they make it work because of the way that the roster's balanced. Now, for me, the minutes is interesting. Uh, I do not envy JB. This is going to be difficult because he has his he has guys and they're deep. Deep is a good mm-hmm. problem to have. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. Um, they have a little bit of leeway in the first few months, Ricky Rubio is going to be recovering from his ACL injury still. So I'm thinking you're going to have Darius Garland backed up by Raul Neto. Yep. I think you're going to have probably Karis Levert starting at the two Colin Sexton. If he comes back, if not, it'll be Okoro backing him up. Then at the three, you're going to have Lowry marking in behind him. Probably Lamar Stevens or Karis, you know, like it, it's, yeah, it's a little short. And, and See, then, but look what you just said right there. You will probably may even have to put Karisover on the bench, like, and that's tough, right? Right? Yeah, I I don't think they're gonna put Karis on the bench. That's just too. I think that's too hard. Yeah, that's difficult. <laughs> that's difficult, man. Like, and then you know you you have your four. You have Evan Mobley, and then behind him you're gonna have Kevin Love, Dean Wade, who's gonna play also the three slash four. Lamar Stevens could play the three slash four, so it's difficult to kind of do that. And then you have Jared Allen backed up by Robin Lopez. And I mean, you're set. That's what you got. <laughs> it's loaded it, roster. It's just like, yeah, everything's fortified. It's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. Um, but yeah, I'm. Uh, it's hard to envision some of these guys getting the amount of minutes they deserve to have or are capable of having. Um, but again, that's going to come down to training camp. There's going to be some battles, man. There are going to be some battles. Um, maybe there's going to be someone who sticks out that we don't think of. Um, but. You know, in the case of Agbaji, I was told they're going to bring him along slowly. I thought they were going to throw him into the fire, but shoot, I mean, he might not be getting that many minutes off the rip. Yeah, they can afford it. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's a luxury. It is. (laughs) 
Well, Spencer, appreciate having you on. Always fun to talk Cavs basketball. I know, I mean, we, we always try to pick a fun team for the podcast. So I, I think the Cavs are on that list for the yeah, podcast team be. of the year this year. Cause I was going to ask you, what team you looking at that's like, no, that's under the radar, you know, that you may like. Cause I know the Thunder's one of them and the Thunder yeah. was one of our team two seasons ago, but what's going to be your like sneaky, low key, good team to watch? Well, you know what? You, you, you pick the Thunder, and I think we talked about them last time we were on the yeah. podcast, how much I like their direction. And then you go out and add four more rookies to the to the mix. Yeah. And, but, <laughs> this long. Can they, can they please start trying to win now? I, they've no, got for the real. Like, to take it, we've had enough. <laughs> you got Shea. You got Lou Dort. Darius Baisley's been in the league for a good minute now. Uh, Josh Giddy was in the Rookie of the Year races last Love year. Love him. Like, they've got a lot of pieces. You add Chet. You add the two Jalen Williams. You, you got you got pieces. Try start winning. Yeah, what a team. Oh, try to start winning. <laughs> but my team, honestly, I think maybe not to the level of the Cavs last year. Okay. But same division, Detroit Pistons. Mm. Detroit Pistons, man. Ooh, and maybe you got maybe I'm a little now. maybe I'm a little biased, but <laughs> cheap plug. I did talk to Isaiah Livers um okay. about the upcoming season uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm just thinking to myself, they have quite a bit of intriguing talent on that team, though. Yeah. Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey should step in as being, like, one of the best rookies of this class. Lights out. Or he just wasn't shooting well at all. He had no middle. But he had a heck of a second season. Um, You know, you bring in Marvin Bagley, who just signed that three-year deal in the offseason. Isaiah Stewart's still around. You've got, you know, Killian Hayes showed a little bit of flashes last season towards the end of the year. Um, you know, there are a lot of little, you know, pickups that I liked that they had. Um, they added some some vets, you know, like Nerlens Noel's on that team. Alec Burks is on that team. They've got a little something cooking there. <laughs> and, I, you know, Isaiah Livers, I'm telling you, Isaiah Livers, pay attention to that kid. He's going to be good. He's going to be good. So? He's it's not that he's going to be this boisterous, big box score filling type of player, but glue guy wise, shooting threes, playing okay. some defense. Trust me on this one. He's he's going to have a good year. So I'm picking the Pistons to be one of those teams that that shocks a lot of guys, so a lot of people. Uh, I don't know what win total to put on them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won more than thirty. There we okay, go. I love games. that. I could do that. And I think Pistons fans would be satisfied with 30 yeah, games. They're, they're gonna be a lot of fun. And then we yeah. can hope for a, a 2025 Cavs OKC Thunder final. There you go. <laughs> there you go, man. That's the dream. All right, Spencer, appreciate you joining us. Where can people find you uh, on social, and where, where can they find your work? Twitter and Instagram, it's at Spin Davies. Uh, my work is yeah, at basketballnews.com. As Zach mentioned earlier, keeping it at 94 podcast with Brian Fritz. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and wherever you listen. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, leave a comment, and hit us up on the Twitter machine. Oh, yeah. Spencer Davies, appreciate it. We definitely appreciate you, Spencer, always. Thanks, fellas.